All right. I love uh, what you said, Mike, about how even when God was forming Adam from the dust of the ground, okay, even in that formation, just think about it. Just, just think about that. That, that. that when God created his, his form, his physical body, it was one of weakness. And weakness, okay, for us, and understanding it in Hebrews 12, 1, lay aside every, uh, every weight, you know. You know, because we're weak, right? For, you know, again, for when I'm weak, so that's Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, uh, Joel 3, 10, and 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Let the weak say I am strong. And, and so the fact is, even he formed his body in weakness. <laughs> and that weakness was only something that could be filled and properly with the strength and the grace that God is. And so... He formed his body from the dust of the ground. And then it says, and he breathed into him, and in the Hebrew is plural, the breath of lives, meaning he would procreate. And that speaks of procreation, the breath of lives. That, you know, because angels obviously were created all at once. They don't procreate in Matthew 22 and verse 30. They don't, you know, but we, we do. But even that, when he formed him, Okay? He formed him in weakness, and weakness simply means I have a need I can't meet myself. That's, right. That's what it means. And so, and when you think about it, you think about it too, even when, even when it says in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and in Genesis 5, 1 and 2, God created man in his image, he saw, he saw a woman, he saw Eve in Adam. That's a, he saw him, right? Because Adam, Adam was created, and, and he gave, he gave, God gave, listen to this, God gave, and, and I'm listening to it with you, so Holy Spirit brings it to us. God gave, gave Eve to Adam. He needed a helpmate. Someone to meet a need in him that he couldn't fulfill outside of the gift of the woman. And the woman doesn't have, couldn't fulfill in herself. So even in the types there, even in the types there, really, even when it says in Ephesians 5 verse 25, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church, that specifically is it's talking about God taking the church out of the, the second Adam, taking us, the church, out of his son. Oh, my God. And to think that here is Christ seated at the right hand of the Father in scores of scriptures, starting in Psalm 110, verse 1, and a plethora of them, of scriptures that go into the, talking about the right hand. The very fact that, that Christ, the God, God in Christ, <clears throat> has a need to love the church, <laughs> his Eve, and that church, us, have a need to be loved by him, which could only be fulfilled by God, and that's why God is love, <laughs> and we have a need. So even that goes into, 
in Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your mind. And th- you trying to figure out what your need is. Like you said, Adam, like you said, Mike, this morning, Adam, he didn't even know he had a need, you know, and that's what happened. He didn't know. He didn't know he had a need. And we, that need won't get met by us in Christ uh, and experientially because it's met positionally until we're in a place of rest. And that's what he had to, he had to put Adam. And when, when he's at a place of rest, right, rest, and that rest, obviously, we know in the types that Christ finished the work and now God, the Father, God is resting in the Son of His love. He rests in His love, Zephaniah 3 and verse 17. So He rests in Him. And the very place where the rest of God is found, we see that again even in the types. So you have that whole creation of which Adam was there. And, and again, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, <clears throat> and then God saw that all his work was good in 131. And that's where we see of Genesis. And then Genesis 2, 1 and 2, he rested. He rested. So he rests on the seventh day. His work was the sixth day. But it was completed, he rested on the seventh. And these things are amazing to, to, to see and to, to understand. They really are. And, and so, again, when it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, you know, really, it's stop thinking that you can even be strong in yourself. Because you can't be. You can't be. Yeah. So, just, just what, it, you know, and that even goes into in Proverbs 13 and verse 12, where it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. What makes the heart sick? Trying to meet its own need. That's right. Trying to meet its own need. Why? Because you're awake, you're not sleeping, you're not resting in the finished work. You're trying to do when everything's been already done. So hope deferred makes the heart sick. But not if, but those that are in Christ, us. But when the desire comes, and look, is Christ the fulfillment of every single desire? Did he come? In John 1, verse 14, yes. And just think about it. You know, when I think of these verses, this is so amazing when I think of these verses here. For instance, oh boy. And, and I'm going to turn to 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. I'm going to, I'll, I'll read that in 2 Corinthians 13. And so, 13 verse 4. Look at this. This, this is so amazing when we look at these verses. So, <clears throat> this is 2 Corinthians 13, 4. For though he, Christ, was crucified through weakness. Oh my God. And... What does that mean? For though he was crucified through weakness, yet what? He, he, he lives by the power of God, right? The whole time he walked the face of the earth, he lived by the power of God. And what that teaches us then, and we can see this even going way back again to when he created the, the body of Adam from the dust of the ground. That was the pre-incarnate Christ, by the way, that did that. 
We know that based upon, how do I know it was the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? They all had a part in it, but who was there actually doing it? It's the pre-incarnate Christ, with obviously never separated from the Father, never separated from the Holy Spirit as, as the Son, <clears throat> which you can't separate who God is <laughs> in, their, in the oneness of their nature, character, and essence. But we know that it was Christ in his pre-incarnate state because it says in John 1 <coughs> and verse 3 and Colossians 1 and verse 16 that all things were created by him and not anything that was created had it started in him. But look at, the, when I look at these verses, he's crucified in weakness. Well, I mean, what is that? What, where do we get the preponderance of that? When in the, in the, in the womb of the 14-year-old peasant girl, Luke 1, verse, verse 35, this brings out the teaching of Hebrews, the second chapter. But also, you, 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 know, you don't get to the second chapter till you read the first, which in and of itself is just, when we think of that. So if I think of this, how did God meet our need? And who did he meet it through? And where is all his desires? The Father's desire in the Son, in this eternal exchange, that word pros in, in John 1, verse 1, with. We're all hit this exchange of this eternal desire, right? But, and of course, understood in only, only a way that deity can understand it. But, but for us, Christ put on that humanity. He came out of John 1, 1 and 2 and put on humanity in 1, 4, 14. But then even when I look at this in, in Hebrews 1, you know, has in these last days, and these are last days, my God, never been more last days, has spoken unto us by his son. It's by son, really, in the original, by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, Look at, by whom also he made the worlds, plural. Not just little earth, <laughs> you know, but that goes into another whole thing we've gone into before. Who being the brightness of his glory, think about that. My God, the brightness of his glory and the exact express, the brightest, highest express image of his person. Oh my God. Son and his deity, right? And revealing it in his humanity and upholding all things by the word of his power. So we know in, in Hebrews 11.3, the worlds were formed and framed, it says, by the word of God. Well, who's the word in John 1.1? 1, 1? It's Christ. We're framed. So he framed it, but he also holds it all together. That explains what no science or no scientist outside of the Word of God, because the Word of God explains science. Science doesn't explain the Word of God. Then it becomes a so-called science in 1 Timothy 6.20, which it's not, okay? Science, when you even look at that word, the study, the study of creation in certain things. Yeah, how do you do that without a creator? Well, then you go about trying to fulfill your own desire. But you can't even do that without those material things that he even created. Very interesting. So, the, the brightness of his glory. Hello. <laughs> Check that. <laughs> Sorry. Upholding all things by the word of his power. When 
he had, look at, by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels. This goes into so many things. We don't have the time to do it this morning. As, but you, if you get into Colossians, specifically, even in the second chapter, this will explain that. As he has obtained, by, in, by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. Now, when you follow that all the way through, right, then in understanding those verses all the way through to the 14th verse in that first chapter, and remember, there's no chapter or verses in the original. It's just flowing. Then you get to, to, to uh, you know, to verse 2, and follow that through, look at 2 in the flow of 1, chapter 1 through 1 through 14, then, then 2, 1 through 8, right? Look at verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels by, it's not for, it's by the suffering of death for a time in his humanity, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Did he? Yes, because he propitiated the Father. He was the lamb that dealt with the sin question, takes away the sin, a question of that, of the world, John 1, 29, not sins. For every man, for it became him, meaning it was every single thing about him. And that was John 4, so to understand uh, for it became him, speaks of John 4, verse 34. His meat, his very sustenance, was to do the will of the Father and to finish the work, fulfilling the prophecy of Psalm 47 and 8. For it became him, for whom are all things, notice again, notice that, and by whom are all things, <laughs> oh my God, so amazing, and bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation complete through sufferings. Right? For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one. This is amazing because in that, in that sanctification, which is the result of our justification, the result of Christ finishing the work, are all of one simply means that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved and still to this moment in this sanctification in, in the places where that is realized. For both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one. Jeez. For which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name, the name of the Father, God, to your name, your nature, your character and your essence unto my brethren, which is something that's going to be done through the love that passes knowledge in Ephesians 3 and verse 19, are all of one, for which cause you're not ashamed to call their brethren, for, for saying, I will declare your name unto my brethren. Who? Who's he going to declare it to? Those that are one with him. That's John 17, 11, 21, and 22. Oh, boy. And again, huh, where am I? And again, behold, I and the children which God has given me as a result of what he accomplished, Now watch this. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God's given me. 
For then, for as much then as the children are, are partakers of blood and flesh in the original, he also likewise took part of the same. Got to be God, the Son. I, it, it, you know, <laughs> that's what it means. He's crucified in weakness, by the way, because he became the sin sacrifice in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. He became the sin sacrifice. He took part of the same, that, that nature, okay? Human nature, never sin nature, ever. Hebrews 4, verse 15 and on. Many, many other scriptures reveal that, yet without sin. When it says that in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, it's clearly speaking nature. Sin is nature, okay? He never had a sin nature. He had a human nature. And that's why we have this faithful high priest who can be in his humanity and was, not like us being tempted. But in Hebrews 4, 14 to, to 16, we, we can come boldly because we have this high priest in his humanity who felt what sin is, never being tempted, partaking of it, but it entering into him. Unbelievable when we think about these things. Took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil. So has Satan's power been dealt with? Answer, yes. That's why now he operates and lies in John 8, verse 44. Okay, that's his methodia. His method is, is these, these wiles, and that's the Greek word where we get our English word method, his way of doing it in Ephesians 6, 11, is lies. Sure, so much of that going on. Oh, well, but... <laughs> Even in the negative, having to understand the negative evil teachings, <clears throat> if you stay there too long and don't, <laughs> you need to get right back, you know, in this, the beauty of who Christ is. Otherwise, you just want to quit. Because <laughs> that's the only answer when you're over-occupied, you know, because this is the victory uh, that's overcome the world. Uh, even our faith in 1 John 5, 4, and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world in 1 John 4, 4. And, and so we have the greatness of his love and his grace uh, through Christ. So that is, that is the devil <clears throat> in 2.14 of Hebrews, and deliver them who through fear of death were, <laughs> fear of death, were all their lifetime subject unto bondage. For verily, listen to this, he took not on the nature of angels, but he took on, listen to this, the seed of Abraham. So this is explaining. He never had a sin nature. He took on the seed of Abraham. And who was that? That was Isaac. And did it have, did it have anything to do with Abraham and Sarah in their own natural fallen state? Answer, no. It was a supernatural work of God to continue the line for Christ to eventually come through. So, and, and it was a supernatural act of God. There's no, and type, in, in the type, by the way. And remember, he himself is, wasn't the type, but the work that God was showing about Christ through him. Because he's the type, but Christ is the, is the fulfillment of all types. He's the great anti-type. And so, and deliver them who the, all their lifetime were su through fear 
of death were all their lifetime subject unto bondage. He didn't take on the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. So the te- it's teaching us. He took on the seed of Abraham, meaning he never had a sin nature. Okay? He never did. And that's why his blood, even his blood, is different than the falling blood because the life of the flesh, the body, is in the blood in Leviticus 17 and 11. That's why some that teach his blood, you know, was no different than Adam's. It's nonsense. He took that. In Hebrews 9, 12, we can see that. It was blood, pure, and in this sacrifice, yes, spiritual death, but sacrifice, it had to be pure because that's the only way he went into heaven. So, wherefore, in all things it, be, it behooved him, was everything about him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things that had to do with God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself had suffered, was he tempted? No. See, that's why that's not a good translation. He was tested. He was tested. We hear things like, oh yeah, he, you know, in interpreting Matthew 4, 1 to 11, Luke 4, 1 through 11 and through there, that, you know, he had, he was tested by the devil. No, he wasn't. He didn't have a sin nature. He he didn't have a sin nature. So who was actually tested? (laughs) Yeah. So for in himself. He suffered being tested. He is able also to succor, bring those close to him, those that are tempted. And we are, he never was. He never was. Yeah, like like somehow the enemy, in in that Matthew 4, 1 to 11, and Luke 4, 1 to 11, somehow he, the enemy, could violate Jesus, the very will of God. (laughs) Never. Never. He does it with us with temptation. He could care less about our will. He violates it. And that's why even this bad teaching about, you know, like Calvinism in, in, in that one area, you know, in that, in that one area, and God did use him in areas, but in that area, boy, he failed miserably, like we all are suspect and can do in a heartbeat, that God willed, even evil was a part of God's will. And it wasn't, didn't have to do with the will of individuals meeting the, the will of his son who finished it, but somehow bypassed their will, and he just chose those who would be saved and those who would go to hell. Didn't make any sense at all. So when I look at those verses there that we just read, now we can see and properly understand here in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 4, for though he was crucified through weakness, and why was he weak? Weak men, okay, and, and I'm weak, but weakness is not sin. Giving in to temptation through the weakness becomes sin. See, he was crucified in weakness. Did, did, did God create Adam with a sin nature? Well, no, because he said that making man in his image, it was good. Would God attribute good to evil? Never. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he, he lived by the power of God in submission, 
for we all we are also weak in him but we will live with him by the power of God towards you towards you and then <coughs> coming into explaining Hebrew you know second uh, Corinthians 13 5 you know like examine yourselves like we're supposed to examine ourselves through our failures to see whether we're in Christ or not that's how that's taught by the way which it's not. It's not understand. It's taking it right out of the context. There's covenant theology, lordship, salvation, where all this nonsensical, evil stuff comes out. That somehow we're we're to examine ourselves. Never. Never. Job thirty six seventy never removes his eye from the righteous. That's God's view of us, and I I, I must have God's view of me. There's where. There's where it is. But examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Okay? And then it says this. Prove your own selves, know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates, or you fail the test. You dis- you're disqualified. Okay. That's the Greek word here. So really what this is teaching here, really what it's teaching is, in this, Paul, God the Holy Spirit had Paul write this. Because he was the chosen vessel. They're the Christ epistles given through Paul. I don't even like in one sense, but you don't separate them, Pauline epistles. But, but the, the, the substance of the person in, 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 of Christ and his work that was accomplished was given to the Apostle Paul to teach, to teach the Corinthians, right? Boy, <laughs> What they were involved in, again, we, you know, we, we, you know, we, we know through the word and through studying a church history and studying Isagogics, we know that even when Paul wrote Romans, the whole book there, he wrote it when he was in Corinth. And boy, oh boy, the things that they, the things that they were taken out of positionally in Christ, but that they went right back to in their experience just like any of us can do, the most perverted. And perversion doesn't only have to do with sexual immorality. It has to do with everything that's not of the mind of Christ. Literally, you can make an idol of anything. Like they did, the phallic cult and all this other crazy things that, you know, that men worshipped. <laughs> and, uh, but anyways, again, it says this. When, when, when it's written, writing this, it's God had the Holy Spirit write this because all that substantial, substance, truth, facts about who he was and who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us, okay, they were no longer recognizing him as that. So the Holy Spirit had Paul write this. And boy, I'll tell you, in some places it's written very sarcastically. And I don't know if you can even say that. I say that has to do with the anger of God. And I don't even know if there's like, well, maybe there is, I don't know, in, in, in the divine nature, you know. Because it does say all through the scriptures, you know, Proverbs 126, Psalm 2, 4, Psalm 37, 13, he laughs and mocks at their calamity because he's done everything for them. And they reject it wholeheartedly. So, in other words, and really that saying is, you know, you know, even like it says, 
you know, when he'll, he'll speak with the people to, to uh, this backslidden nation in Isaiah, the sixth chapter. If you look at verse eight, what was the message? Teach them. You're going to have eyes to see. Here's to hear. You won't hear. Eyes to see. You refuse to see. And I'm going to mark you with stammering tongue. That's what this all goes into. Understanding it in the scriptures. Of understanding those three uh, previous scriptures that God just uh, brought to our mind here. And so they were refusing him. And all Paul was saying to them is this. Look, he's recognizing that they're born again. He's saying, examine yourself. Look, who did God use to lead you to Christ and to teach you all these things about who you are in Christ? He used me. I'm a vessel, but he used me. So you want to deny me? <laughs> examine yourself. You're in the faith, and the faith was all those, all the substance of the facts of the person of Christ, the work that he's accomplished, given to you, they're given to you by Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through me to give them to you. And that's what this verse is saying. But you take that right out of context. You want to talk about how is that fulfilling and functioning in your desire? Trying to examine yourselves. Yourself, examine the self-life to see if you're in the faith? I don't think so. And these are all your false teaching, bad teaching, and there you, you, your desire has been met because God met it himself and the desire and the greatest, his, the greatest desire and intimate thing he could ever, place he could ever give you was his son. And you're going to deny that? Covenant theology, you gotta, you gotta prove yourself, you know. You, know, you gotta, you have to make him Lord. <laughs> Lordship salvation. You gotta make him, excuse me, look long before you ever existed, forever you failed, sinned, and he was Lord, okay? We can get real technical about it and go into the, all that false teaching and go into all the truth, and it's about this thick if we could do that, you know. <laughs> Examine yourselves. Yes, whether you're in the faith. And you are, but, but examine yourself in Christ and then you're going to find, guess what? The equal place where we all are. Instead of this carnality in the flesh, rejecting others, promoting yourself. And that's why, again, through, through this teaching, through the scriptures, you know, that it's simply said that God never gives us gifts. And he gifted you read it in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. The, the church at Corinth, they were gifted through the roof. No one else surpassed them in gifts. They just weren't functioning in them the right way because they were using their flesh and those gifts to exalt themselves and not Christ. So that's going to leave out Paul, and that's what happened here. And that's the explanation of these verses here, properly understanding them. And so we have all these desires. You know, all our desires already met, you know. Did you know that? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean? He gave you his son where all, all his desires, God's desires himself were met by the son, and yours in him. And it's wonderful, isn't it? So, <laughs> I love the way, the way that, that God used him, Mike, to bring that out, because he didn't, none of us know what our need is. 
from moment to moment, day to day. That's why it, it behooves us to be extremely constantly dependent. And he will, because he will humble us to a place of dependence in our experience so that we can experience the place of our position in Christ. And when we do, because the position is immovable and untouchable in 1 John 5, 18b, when that gets into our experience and growth, we become untouchable. All our desire is met. That's Philippians 4 and verse 19. My God will supply all your, guess what, need, period, not plural, need, by Christ Jesus, by his riches and glory, by Christ Jesus, in whom are hid all the riches and, uh, and treasures of wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and that is in Colossians 2 and verse 3. And they're hidden because our hidden life positionally is in Christ. Will he reveal that to my flesh? Can he? Will he? He doesn't have a thing to do with it. He'll just humble us. And through the word, Hebrews 4.12, separate them so that the experience is the equal of the position and it's equal of God's sight of us in Christ. And that's what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is bringing out, looking away from all that would distract. And the greatest enemy that we have, the greatest one for the Christian is the flesh. If you don't believe me, let the word speak. That's Romans 8, 1 through 8. Look at and how it flows. And remember, 8, 1, again, is there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ, period. The rest is italicized. It's an interpolation. An interpolation means it was put there for lack of something better or it doesn't belong there. It doesn't belong in Romans 8, 1 because that's position. But experience now, based upon 2 and 3 of Romans, is brought out in the fourth verse. And you can watch the flow. And when you function in the flesh, what? You cannot please God because all of God's pleasure has been met in and through his son <laughs> in Revelations 4.11. And we were created for his glory in Isaiah 43 and verse 7. And that's grace. And grace only glorifies him. And we're recreated for his pleasure. And the only, one, the only ones that please him are those that function experientially in their position in Christ. That's explaining Revelations 4.11. Very, very clearly, also bringing out Hebrews 11, verse 6. Okay, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? Because experientially, you're not living in what he finished about you in Christ. It's very, very simple. And again, just a, just a brief word of caution for when we study certain things, and even those things that are in and of themselves very good, certain volumes, certain volumes of truth by certain men. We need to be very careful, especially as younger ones. We all have to be careful, but especially young. Do not fixate yourself on one set of teaching. That's why we need, we need teachers, and even those teachers are still continuing to be taught. <laughs> you know, even the spiritual daddies are still being taught, but that's the way he set it up. You know, that's the way he set it up. So, uh, any questions or comments? Uh, Brother, 